Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Begum with you on this Friday, January the 12th, 2024. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, the Chinese presidents held talks with the visiting Belgian prime minister in Beijing. China and the U.S. have launched a working group on climate actions. And South Africa has accused Israel of genocide in the United Nations top court. In business, China's foreign trade recorded a slight expansion in 2023. In sports, China's preparations and hopes for the Asian Cup. In culture and entertainment, a full slate of new movies in Chinese theaters on Lunar New Year's Day. Now checking the day's top stories. Chinese President Xi Jinping's held talks with Belgian Prime Minister Alexander de Croo in Beijing. During his two-day visit, de Croo participated in events including the inauguration of Belgium's new embassy and discussions about trade. For more on the Belgian Prime Minister's visit and its significance, Yo Yang reports from Beijing. Belgium's Prime Minister Alexander de Croo arrived in Beijing on Thursday morning and attended the opening ceremony of Belgium's new embassy building in the Chinese capital, together with Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi. And here are some major takeaways of his visit. First, de Croo is the first European leader to visit China in 2024 at a time when Belgium holds the presidency of the Council of the European Union. So his visit is also seen as a continuation of ongoing frequent high-level interactions between China and the European Union, especially when we take into consideration that de Croo's visit follows a visit to China by the European Council President Charles Michel and the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen, who attended the 24th China-EU summit in December. And secondly, in terms of China-Belgium relations, Cruz leading a delegation to China with include Belgium Foreign Minister Adela Beeb, who made her first stop on trip in Shanghai, aiming at boosting bilateral economic ties. And the delegation also includes Belgian entrepreneurs and industry leaders. So earlier, China's ambassador to Belgium, Cao Zhongming, recalled that in 2014, Chinese President Xi Jinping visited Belgium, promoting bilateral relations to a new level. And Ambassador Cao Bi during the cruise visit to China, the two countries will chart new direction in the development of bilateral ties and explore new prospects for more cooperation in various fields, while further promoting the two sides' all-round partnership of friendship and cooperation. That was Yoyang reporting. A trades dominated talks between business leaders from China and Belgium. They attended a gathering along with the Belgian Prime Minister, who was on an official visit to China. Uh, Chairman Ren Hongbin of the China Council for the Promotion of International Trade pointed out the importance of maintaining close trade relations. Belgium now is China's seventh largest trading partner in the European Union, and China is Belgium's third largest trading partner outside the EU. The country has become one of the top destinations in Europe for Chinese companies to invest. Belgian Chinese Chamber of Commerce Chairman Bernard De Witt says he remains optimistic about the prospects of further cooperation. Uh, I would say that in the post-COVID era, uh, companies now are starting again to have uh, discussions together. But uh, I think the main challenge will be for small and medium-sized companies. We have to know that our economies in Belgium and in China uh, are dominated with a big number of small and medium-sized companies. So the challenge is to bring these companies to uh, go to common projects together. More than 50 entrepreneurs were at the event discussing issues such as new energy, healthcare, and the digital economy. 
China and the Maldives consolidated their partnership under the Belt and Road Initiative during Maldivian President Mohamed Moise's state visit this week. The two sides upgraded bilateral ties to a comprehensive strategic cooperative partnership. The leaders of the two countries jointly signed cooperation documents on infrastructure, the blue economy, and green development. For more on this, CGT and Radio's Joe Fung spoke with Chinese ambassador to the Maldives, Wang Lixin. And Wang said the elevated partnership will open a new chapter for bilateral relations and inject new impetus into various fields. Why do you think China considers the Maldives as a comprehensive strategic cooperative partner? And how can this partnership further enhance bilateral relations and cooperation? Maldives uh, is a close neighbor and also traditional friend of China. Over the past 10 years, our bilateral relations have maintained a very good momentum of development. The cooperation in various fields have achieved fruitful results since uh, uh, President Muizu came to power last November. He has made a very ambitious national development strategy, and uh, they also express strong support to President Xi's initiatives such as BRI and the Global Development Initiative, Global Security Initiative, and also Global Civilization Initiative. While docking presidency's initiatives and the, the ambitious national development strategy of President Moisu, uh, I believe this elevation will open a new chapter of our bilateral relations and also uh, inject new impetus to our cooperation in various fields. This time, the two sides have also signed a cooperation document on jointly building the BRI. So how do you think the two sides can further enhance the high-quality construction of the Belt and Road Initiative? Maldives is one of the first countries to join BRI. Over the past few years, with the joint efforts from both sides, a number of large projects have been completed like the uh, China-Maldives Friendship Bridge, Vilana International Airport expansion, and also uh, social housing projects in Hulumale, which have uh, brought a lot of changes to Maldivian people and also promoted the social and economic development of Maldives. During this visit, uh, President Muiz expressed a strong uh, commitment to the cooperation and the BRI. I believe that in the future, we can uh, have uh, our closer cooperation in the following areas. First is uh, uh, infrastructure construction, like uh, roads, social houses, and also uh, hospitals, which will bring more benefits to the people's livelihood. And also, uh, the second is uh, uh, blue economy, green economy, and the digital economy. like uh, uh, agricultural park and uh, uh, marine economy and also the new energy also like uh, maritime environment protection the third area is people to people exchanges like tourism culture education youth and sports that was chinese ambassador to the maldives wang lixin
Officials from China and the United States have launched a working group on climate actions during a virtual meeting. Chinese official Xie Jianhua and U.S. Special Representative Envoy for Climate John Kerry hosted those talks. Uh, the two sides discussed cooperation on energy transition, methane, the circular economy, and low-carbon development. They also agreed to keep close communication based on their Sunnyland statement that was issued in November last year. Egypt will be the first stop of Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi's four-nation Africa tour. Experts in the North African country say the visit comes at an important time, given Egypt's official membership within BRICS and its mediator's role in the Gaza conflict. Adel al-Maruki spoke with scholars about Cairo's expectations. Foreign Minister Wang Yi is expected to receive a warm welcome as he comes to Cairo marking the country's official BRICS membership. China was one of the strongest supporters of Egypt to join BRICS. The five bloc members believe that Egypt will contribute to the group's economic power with its important strategic location and abundant manpower. Recently, the bilateral relations between the two have been growing rapidly and moving towards a future of even stronger ties. On a bilateral level, there is great political and diplomatic coordination between the two countries in the Security Council and other international organizations like BRICS. Great hope that this expanded bloc will not only play an important economic role, but also a diplomatic and a political role globally. Wang's visit also comes at a time when the war on Gaza enters its fourth month without a clear vision on ending it. The war is spreading tension in Lebanon, Iraq, and also leading to attacks on shipping vessels in the Red Sea which is threatening a major interruption to global supply chains. Containing the expansion of the war in Gaza will definitely lead to talks between them and they will seek ways to push for a permanent and lasting ceasefire. China has an important initiative to hold an international conference to discuss the future of peace in the region. This suggestion must be supported by all partners in the future. China is seeking to bring an understanding to the most significant event in the Middle East, which affects global peace and security. Therefore, the Palestinian crisis will lead the negotiations in Egyptian-Chinese talks. China holds strong to a two-state solution. The world after the Russia-Ukraine crisis changed. It became a multipolar world. China, as a strong economic and political power, seeks to enrich efforts for world peace and security. China's vision for peace in the Middle East has always been identical to that of the Arab world. That is for Palestine to have its own independent state on the 1967 borders with Jerusalem as its capital. Wang Yi is expected to meet Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, Foreign Minister Sameh Shukri, leaders of Egyptian and Chinese business communities, as well as Arab League officials. Under the leadership of President Xi Jinping and President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, the bilateral ties between China and Egypt have been upgraded to comprehensive strategic partnership. Trade and investments have been continuously growing since reaching record figures. In 2024, these ties are expected to grow even further. Wang Yi's visit confirms that this vision is on track. That was Adele Al-Maruki reporting from Cairo. Coming up, South Africa's accusations against Israel. Dive into news like never before with Deep Dive, the podcast from CGTN Radio. Join our global reporters for captivating stories and thought-provoking conversations. Search Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platform.
and get ready to dive in. Twelve minutes past the hour. South Africa has taken the Israel-Hamas conflict to the United Nations top court. It accuses Israel of genocide in Gaza and is demanding emergency measures to suspend Israel's military operations in the region. Uh, the attacks have killed 23,000 Palestinians and displaced more than 80% of Gaza's population. Johannes Pleschberger reports from The Hague. An unprecedented case at the UN's Court of Justice, which could have an impact on the ongoing Gaza war. For two hours, South Africa presented its allegations, asking for a suspension of Israel's warfare in the Gaza Strip. For the past 96 days, Israel has subjected Gaza to what has been described as one of the heaviest conventional bombing campaigns in the history of modern warfare. According to Palestinian officials, Israeli forces killed more than 23,000 people in Gaza. Israel on the other side says Hamas are terrorists who murdered over a thousand Israelis on October 7. During the South Africa hearing, hundreds of protesters gathered outside the court in The Hague. We are not against Israel, but what they are doing it's the worst, worst what we have ever seen, what the world has ever seen, and it should stop right away. It might take years for the court to determine a final ruling. However, it is possible that the court will decide on a provisional ceasefire within just weeks, which, however, could have no effect as the court's rulings are not enforceable. That was Johannes Pleschberger outside the International Court of Justice at The Hague. Palestinian Prime Minister Mohammed Shateyev has thanked South Africa for filing that case. Shateyev joined other Palestinians who rallied in Ramallah in the West Bank. Meantime, Israel's rejected the allegations. Foreign Minister Lior Hayat has uh, said that the accusations are baseless. And for more on the case, we spoke with former UN war crimes judge Jeffrey Robertson on the legal basis of South Africa's accusations. They have, if you like, a conventional or conservative argument, which is that the Genocide Convention only relates to uh, an intention to uh, kill, part or destroy members of a group on religious or racial grounds and not for political reasons, and that Hamas is a political organization and doesn't qualify. I mean, it's too easy for people to think just because a lot of thousands of people are killed, it must be genocide. It's not. There must be that genocidal intention based on a hatred of uh, who people are because of their race or their religion. That was a look at South Africa's case against Israel regarding the conflict in Gaza. The head of the Suez Canal Authority says dollar revenues from the shipping corridor are down 40% from the beginning of the year compared to 2023. Major shippers are finding alternatives as cargo transportation through the Red Sea comes under attack by the Houthi militant group. Ship traffic was down by a third in the first 11 days of the new year. 
Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley have taken verbal jabs at each other in the final Republican presidential debate. Both are far behind former U.S. President Donald Trump, who skipped the televised event for a town hall meeting. As voters prepare to cast their ballots beginning in the Iowa caucuses next week, there are several issues they're focusing on this election year. Jim Spellman finds out what's on their minds. The economy will likely be topic number one as Americans prepare to vote in 2024. President Joe Biden has faced low poll numbers over the economy and Republicans have attacked, but inflation has fallen, unemployment remains low, and the stock market has neared record highs. Still, voters aren't feeling confident. And so we have our work cut out for us in connecting with average American families who, although they hear the news about how much has been accomplished or they hear us talk about you know, an all-time high stock market, they're just not feeling it. Immigration, including the crisis along the southern U.S. border, is another key issue, especially to Republican voters. They blame the Biden administration for not bringing order to the border or dealing with migrants arriving in U.S. cities. Republicans say Trump's border wall and other policies were more effective. When, when President Trump entered the Oval Office, he, he put in the Remain in Mexico policy, he ended the catch and release policy, he did the fundamental common sense things that stem the flow. It was down to a tiny fraction of what it is right now. Healthcare is also on the mind of voters, as is climate change after a year of extreme weather. Abortion is a contentious issue dividing Democrats and Republicans, especially since a landmark ruling was overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court in 2022, allowing individual states to establish abortion laws. This is going to really mobilize young people, and this is going to help Biden, and it's going to help Democrats all the way down the ticket. Other domestic issues for voters include crime, gun control, student loan forgiveness, and racial justice. Foreign policy will be top of mind for many casting votes as the violence in Ukraine and Gaza continues. It's too soon to say how those conflicts will play out in the U.S. election. Politicians from both parties have been critical of China, but an Associated Press poll from December finds just 2% of Americans say China is one of the top five issues they want the U.S. government to work on. With the presidential race expected to come down to a rematch between current President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump, perhaps the biggest issues voters will be considering are the candidates themselves. 81-year-old Joe Biden is widely seen as too old for the job, even by those in his own party. Trump, who is 77, faces 91 charges in four criminal cases. His chaotic and divisive presidency culminated in the January 6th riot at the Capitol in 2021. Polling finds a majority of Americans have unfavorable views of both candidates. That was Jim Spellman on uh, most uh, concerning issues for American voters. Ecuadorian President Daniel Noboa has laid out plans for two new high-security prisons as he's waging war on drug gangs. Now, the president's vowed to hold jailed gang leaders in these new prisons. The facilities will have space for over 730 prisoners. Now, the move comes as families of nearly 180 jail staff that inmates are holding hostage are demanding action to rescue them. Uh, a prison's agency uh, says operations to liberate the hostages are ongoing. Uh, Prison Workers Association Vice President Carlos Ordonez says uh, the military has taken over management of the sites where there are hostages. Naboa has declared a 60-day state of emergency in Ecuador amid escalating violence. He sent uh, the military onto the streets and named 22 gangs as terrorist groups. 
Papua New Guinea has declared a state of emergency after rioting and looting in the capital left at least 16 people dead. The police have returned to duty after going on a strike over pay cuts, which the government blamed on a computer error. Uh, but it doesn't mean the end of the problem. Paul Hawkins explains. The capital, Port Moresby, burning on Wednesday night. Shops and cars set alight. Supermarkets looted. The police on strike. Earlier in the day, officers joined other public sector pay workers demonstrating against a 50% pay cut, which the government said was caused by a computer glitch. These protesters didn't believe it. Some of them tried to break into Parliament. Our looters took advantage of the situation to attack shops. Several people were killed, many injured, including two Chinese nationals. On Thursday, businesses were cleaning up and counting the cost. In 48 years of independence, I can't recall in my lifetime seeing this level of devastation in, in a single day event. It's just senseless, it's unacceptable and, you know, we just need to have a really good hard look at ourselves and challenge to how we got to this place and what we're doing to make sure we come out of it pretty quickly. That's a job for Papua New Guinea's Prime Minister. I encourage all our citizens to step up today and give respect to your country one more time. Encourage your neighbourhood that yesterday did happen. We acknowledge, we look into how we could correct, we look at, at how we would bring responsible people to face a full arm of law. Police were not at work yesterday uh, in the city and uh, people resorted to lawlessness uh, up and about. So not all people, but uh, in certain segments of our city. Police are now back on duty and 1,000 troops are on standby while a two-week state of emergency has been declared. But rising unemployment and inflation have fueled public dissatisfaction, meaning the tense situation isn't just tech-related. That was Paul Hawkins on the riot in Papua New Guinea. Coming up, a city near Shanghai with a growing population of people from Taiwan. Foreign internet influencers living in China are hitting back as they face a fresh round of accusations of being cultivated by the Chinese government to shape narratives in favor of China. How true are those accusations? What's behind such narratives and who's been pushing them? Listen to what those online influencers have to say on this week's Chat Lounge, anywhere you get your podcasts and on CGTN Radio. At 22 minutes past the hour, a city near Shanghai has become the home for tens of thousands of people from Taiwan. And many of them have started their own businesses. Ubin has the story of one such entrepreneur from Taiwan who tells us why the eastern city is so appealing. It's a sunny weekend. 40-year-old Tsai from Taiwan is taking part in a softball match. The sport is not popular in the Chinese mainland, but it's gained a foothold in the city of Quinshan, where over 100,000 people from Taiwan are living. There are a lot of people playing softball over here, and we have four or five softball fields in Quinshan. I had a dream of playing softball when I was back in Taiwan. Softball was one of the reasons Tsai chose Quinshan when he was looking for a place in the Chinese mainland to start his own business. But on top of that, the city had a good reputation and offered vast opportunities, the perfect place for Taiwan entrepreneurs. Years ago, Quinshan was building the largest tourism area to feature Taiwan cultures in East China, and that's of specific interest to Tsai. 
Walking on the street, it seems like you're already on Taiwan Island. From the way people talk to the result here, it's no wonder why the city of Kunshan is known as Little Taipei. The street has duplicated many symbols of Taiwan, from the train stations to yellow taxis and to two post boxes that were oddly bent. Many of the landmarks are exactly like those in Taiwan. The whole block is a miniature of Taiwan in the 1960s to 1970s when my parents were young. And it's on this street that Tsai opened not one, but four food and beverage stores, aiming to bring local and authentic food to the city of Kunshan. I think that phrase that best expresses my feeling after I started my business in the mainland is just like a fish meets the water. That's the feeling I get being here and is what I want to feel. Then there are many outstanding people before me and young people who are thinking about how to make this society a better place and how to make our products more innovative. That's the atmosphere I want as an entrepreneur. Tsai now stays in Kunshan more than in Taipei, as he believes the stage is bigger here. But living between the two places requires stable and healthy relations across the strait. The relations across the strait should, of course, be moving towards a friendly or even better state. This is a prerequisite for us running a business or living on both sides. For his own future, Tsai wants his business to expand and to bring more young people from Taiwan to the Chinese mainland to chase their dreams. That was Ubin in Kunshan, Jiangsu province. Chinese scientists are putting the finishing touches on the country's fifth research station in Antarctica. The team began working on the new station near the Ross Sea last month after they arrived at the southern polar region on China's Shuilong II icebreaker. They have completed the steel structure of the main building and are now installing walls and insulation. Designer Zhu He has been involved in the new station since planning began seven years ago. He says it's like building a small town. Antarctica is isolated from the rest of the world. Every research station has its self-sufficient infrastructure to provide basic services for daily tasks, water supply and waste disposal. On the other hand, the buildings are modular, so it requires very detailed designing. The new station has bedrooms, offices and labs, and it can house up to 80 people at a time. Builders plan to finish the job early next month. Winter swimmers in Harbin say they enjoy plunging into the icy waters in the frozen Songhua River. They created a special swimming pool after breaking and removing the thick ice on the surface. Uh, The swimmers take turns jumping into the water from a diving board that's made of ice. It feels like eating a mint candy and cold air is coming out of you. Very comfortable. At first, I felt horrified and scared, just like the other day when I jumped off the diving platform. It was my first time, and I was extremely nervous. When you take a dive and conquer it yourself, it's awesome. I felt very happy. Yu Xiaofeng from the Harbin Winter Swimming Association says winter swimming's become a, a signature of Harbin and an important part in the city's ice and snow culture. Yu also says it's a great sport that exercises both the body and the willpower. In winter swimming, we often say that suffer one minute, stay happy for a whole day and a lifetime. You can only experience such a feeling when you go swimming yourself. 
So I want to call for young people to go outdoors more often and participate in games that challenge themselves. There are around a thousand registered members with the association, and about half of them are regular winter swimmers. They go to outdoor pools across different parts of Harbin each day. Many travelers in Serbia say their trips have become more convenient and pleasant thanks to a Chinese-built high-speed railway linking two major cities in the country. The railway connects Belgrade and Novi Sad, the second largest city in Serbia. A travel time between the two cities has been reduced from an hour and a half to only 30 minutes thanks to the upgraded tracks and new bullet trains. Uh, the whole route's expected to cut uh, uh, travel time between the uh, Hungarian and Serbian capitals from eight hours down to just three. We're at 28 past the hour, and uh, Beijing's at minus four Friday evening. Saturday will be sunny and plus three. Nanchung's at five tonight, then a, a light rainfall with a high of 19. Elsewhere in Asia, Islamabad's down to four this evening, then sunny and 19 on Saturday. Uh, Vientiane's at 21 overnight, then a light rainfall and 31 degrees. Phnom Penh's at 23 this evening, overcast and 34 tomorrow. In Africa, Nairobi's getting a light rainfall and 25 degrees on Saturday. Kampala's at 20 overnight, then a light rainfall and 25. Juba's down to 23 degrees this evening. Uh, tomorrow's cloudy and 39 degrees. It's time for a short break. So far this hour, the Chinese president's held talks with the visiting Belgian prime minister in Beijing. China and the United States have launched a working group on climate actions. And South Africa has accused Israel of genocide in the United Nations top court. And Shane Bigham with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing Hour. Experience the musical classics of the East. Mingle with the masters of Chinese music. Music Talks. Witness the sound of antiquity and modernity. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. We then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures, and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. German Railway Company Hear the difference with CGTN Radio. Join our global network to connect with the world. CGTN Radio. Hear the difference. I love you. 我爱你. This might be the easiest way to say I love you, since there are so many other romantic expressions. No matter if you're a rookie, 你好,我的中文一点点. or a sophisticated learner, 我来北京五年了,我是本地人. There is definitely something that will interest you. Check out Takeaway Chinese, a world that starts with 你好. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Bigham with you on this Friday, still to come. In business, China's foreign trade recorded a slight expansion in 2023. In sports, China's preparations and hopes for the Asian Cup. In culture and entertainment, a full slate of new movies in Chinese theaters on Lunar New Year's Day. To contact us, you can email radio at cgtn.com or follow our X account, formerly Twitter, at CGTN Radio. But first of all, with the day's headline news, here's Wang Zihang. Thank you, Shane.
Chinese President Xi Jinping says China and Europe should work more closely and jointly promote orderly multilateralism and inclusive economic globalization. During his meeting with Belgian Prime Minister Alexander de Croo in Beijing, President Xi said China is willing to work with Europe for the stable development of relations in the new year. He also expressed hope that Belgium would contribute to bilateral ties as it assumes the presidency of the Council of the European Union. The crew said Belgium is against decoupling and hopes his visit will help elevate China-Belgium and China-Europe ties. China says it is concerned about the escalating tensions in the Red Sea and is calling for calm and restraint. Foreign Ministry spokesperson Mao Ning said China hopes stakeholders can play a constructive and responsible role in maintaining peace and stability in the Red Sea, which is a vital route for international cargo and energy trade. The spokesperson added that China is willing to work with all parties to de-escalate the situation and safeguard international waterways. The Ecuadorian TV station that was stormed by gunmen during a live broadcast has resumed transmissions. The brief takeover of the studio in Guayaquil is among a series of violent incidents in Ecuador. President Daniel Milboa has laid out plans for two new high-security prisons as part of his pledge to wage war on drug gangs. Nearly 180 prison staff are being held by inmates. A Japanese nuclear power station has admitted that 20,000 liters of oil leaked following the 7.2 magnitude quake on New Year's Day. Shika nuclear power plant on the west coast was hit by huge waves shortly after the powerful tremor struck. More than 200 people have died in the quake. The company that runs the facility says both of its twin reactors were already offline before the earthquake and there's no significant damage. However, Japan's nuclear regulatory authority fears that the earthquake has rocked the nuclear power plant beyond established safety levels. The Iranian Navy has reported the seizure of an American oil tanker in the Sea of Oman, citing retaliation for the stealing of oil by the U.S. A statement says the Navy took control of the St. Nicholas tanker following a judicial order and a confirmation from the Ports and Maritime Organization of Iran. It says the vessel stole an Iranian oil cargo under U.S. guidance last year and that the Iranian oil was handed over to the U.S. The U.S. Justice Department has admitted that it seized the same tanker loaded with Iranian oil in April during a sanctions enforcement operation. The U.S. Defense Department says it fully supports a review by its internal watchdog into the secrecy surrounding the Defense Secretary's recent hospitalization. Pentagon spokesperson Major General Pat Ryder has said the department welcomes the review. The Department of Defense Inspector General has initiated a review to examine the roles, processes, procedures, responsibilities, and actions related to the Secretary of Defense's hospitalization in December 2023 and January 2024 and assess whether the DOD's policies and procedures are sufficient to ensure timely and appropriate notifications and the effective transition of authorities as may be warranted due to health-based or other unavailability of senior leadership. The probe will focus on why Pentagon waited days to inform the White House that Lloyd Austin has tr- had transferred authority to his deputy without giving any reason. 
The 70-year-old Defense Secretary is still in the hospital, being treated for complications from prostate cancer surgery. Austin also did not tell President Joe Biden and other U.S. government leaders about his surgery and diagnosis until days later. His failure to disclose his hospitalization is facing sharp criticism and has led to some calls for his resignation. An alliance of ethnic minority armies in northern Myanmar has agreed to a ceasefire with the ruling military following China's mediation. The Chinese Foreign Ministry says the truce was finalized in the southern, southwestern Chinese city of Kunming. The country has called on all parties to stick to dialogue and a consultation and jointly promote the peace process in northern Myanmar. China's Tianzhou-6 cargo craft has successfully separated from the space station. It had brought a new batch of supplies to the orbiter after its liftoff in May. The China Manned Space Agency says the craft will later re-enter the atmosphere. And a study by Russian telecom company Megaphone shows that China was one of the most popular destinations for Russian travelers during the New Year holiday. The number of Russian tourists visiting China increased 10 times. Other Asian countries, including Vietnam and Singapore, also registered significant growth in tourism. Russians also favored destinations in the Middle East, such as the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia. Thank you very much. That was Wang Zihong with Headline News. And this is Shane Begum in the Chinese capital. Coming up in business, China's foreign trade recorded a slight expansion in 2023. Discover the realities and responses to our changing climate with Climate Watch. Uncover critical issues such as the Maasai Mara's disrupted wildebeest migration and the drop in the Panama Canal's water levels. Delve into solutions for a sustainable future. Tune in to Climate Watch on your favorite podcast platform. Become more eco-conscious and take action to protect our planet. 37 past the hour now, turning to business, starting with the markets and uh, the markets on the Chinese mainland closed lower on Friday. He Jian has more. Mainland stocks were roughly flat on Friday on mixed economic data, while the market is expecting a key policy rate cut early next week. The blue chip CSI 300 index dropped 0.35%, while the Shanghai Composite Index closed 0.16% lower. Sector-wise, environmental protection, green energies and utility stocks outperformed, led by companies including CECP Tech and Ecology and Environment, Beijing Zeho Waterfront Ecological Environment Treatment and Daqian Ecology and Environment Group. This came after the central government's latest guidelines to promote the development of a beautiful China. Mainland market was also buoyed by companies' latest financial reports. Shares of Skyverse Technology, for example, jumped as much as 9.5% after the Chinese semiconductor quality control equipment developer estimated its 2023 net profit was up 8 to 12 times year-on-year, reaching 115 million to 165 million yuan. Such growth was also seen in Jinzai Food Group, uh, which forecasts a 61 to 71 percent year-on-year growth in its 2023 net profit. Its shares jump the 10 percent daily limit. By contrast, companies in academics and education services, healthcare, and consumer cyclicals were among the top losers. That was He Jian in Shanghai. In Hong Kong, the Hang Seng Index dropped by four tenths of a percent. In Japan, the Nikkei increased 1.5 percent. 
Latest customs figures show that China's foreign trade expanded by 0.2% in 2023. Value stood at nearly 42 trillion yuan. That's roughly 5.8 trillion U.S. dollars. Exports grew by 0.6% to around 23 trillion yuan, while imports edged down 0.3% to 18 trillion. The total export value of solar batteries, lithium-ion batteries, and electric vehicles surged around 30% to over a trillion yuan in 2023. The export value of machinery and electronic products accounted for over 58% of total exports. That's up 2.9% from a year ago. Last year, China's trade with other Belt and Road partner countries accounted for 46.6% of the total. That's up 1.2 points from 2022. Uh, Meanwhile, official data shows that the country's consumer price index edged down 0.3% in December from a year ago. The decline narrowed from a 0.5% dip the previous month. Food prices fell 3.7%, while non-food prices rose by half a percent. The core CPI deducting food and energy went up 0.6% last month, maintaining a moderate increase. In 2023, the country's CPI went up by 0.2%. Uh, Data also revealed that China's producer price index, which measures the cost of goods at the factory gate, went down 2.7% in December. On a yearly basis, the PPI in 2023 dropped by 3% compared with 2022. With more on the latest economic data, Michael Wang spoke with Chu Cheng, a research fellow at Beijing Foreign Studies University. Economists say that China is on track to achieve its 2023 growth target of around 5%. We didn't see excessive price increases in China relative to inflation in other major economies in the world. What's your take on how China was able to achieve what is still quite a robust pace of growth compared to other major economies and yet still keep prices stable? We have faced a very uh, unique uh, backdrop of the world recently. We see very high inflation, very high interest rate environment also. Know, very, very densely happening and occurring a situation of a geopolitical conflict in here. I think that's a reason why, one, on one hand, it's been killing the general aggregate demand all over the world, but also it pushed up the price of all kinds of commodities and raw materials around the world. China, you know, achieved a certain uh, of the growth is because, number one, China has a really big market. We have more than 400 million people of the middle income class and it keep on growing. Secondly, and China have a very, very uh, you know comprehensive and holistic system of production. So China is not only the powerhouse, as you just mentioned, of the green energy in the whole world, but also with powerhouse of many sectors. For example, digital infrastructures, EV, and etc. As well as providing the daily groceries to many families around the world. Just take a look at the Tamu, take a look at the Shopee. They've been supplying you know very, very qualified and also affordable product through the e-commerce platform to all over the world. So I think that's a reason why China can um, use its productivity capacities to make sure that all kinds of products are affordable with good quality, but also try to you know create extra demand out of this very uncertain circumstances. That was Chu Chung with Beijing Foreign Studies University. China's Ministry of Commerce has pledged stronger collaboration with the Maldives to boost trade. Spokesperson Xu Ting hailed the economic progress made in uh, better bilateral ties over the years. The cooperation, based on mutual respect and equal treatment, extends to livelihoods and infrastructure projects, 
attracting an increasing number of Chinese companies to invest and initiate businesses in the Maldives. The first 11 months of 2023, bilateral trade value reached around 700 million U.S. dollars, and that was up over 75 percent. This week, the two sides upgraded ties to a comprehensive strategic partnership as they signed multiple new agreements. Tesla says it'll halt most car production at its Berlin factory for two weeks starting January 29th due to ongoing attacks on vessels in the Red Sea. The U.S. electric car maker says the attacks have caused shifts in transport routes, resulting in a shortage of components. Uh, this marks the first disclosure of a production interruption directly linked to the Red Sea attacks by Yemen's Houthi rebels. Several companies, including Geely and Ikea, have already warned of delivery delays. The Red Sea crisis has compelled major shipping companies to reroute their vessels away from the Suez Canal, which accounts for roughly 12% of global maritime traffic. The latest figures show that Argentina's annual inflation soared over 200% in 2023. That's the highest level in 32 years. Joel Richards has more. Not since 1990 in a period of hyperinflation has Argentina seen such high levels of inflation. With the official figures released on Thursday afternoon, Argentina has overtaken Venezuela with the highest inflation rate in Latin America. The National Statistics Institute reported a 25.5% increase in prices in December alone, taking the annual figure for 2023 to 211%. These are the first inflation figures for libertarian President Javier Milei, who won his election on the promise of taking hard decisions to stabilize the economy through unprecedented austerity measures. From day one in office, Millet warned that inflation would rise in the early months of his presidency. In his first week in government, Millet devalued the peso by 54%. The government also removed price controls on many products and services. These two factors largely explain the spike in inflation in December, doubling the monthly double-digit inflation left by the previous government of Alberto Fernandez. That was Joel Richards on Argentina's soaring inflation rate. Britain's gross domestic product grew by 0.3% in November, after a fall of 0.3% the month before. But output shrank by 0.2% in the three months to the end of November. A contraction or potentially even flat output in December could lead to a second consecutive quarter of falling output, which would place the economy in a technical recession. Britain's economy struggled to gain momentum last year as households were squeezed by rapid inflation and the highest Bank of England interest rates in 15 years. Japan logged its uh, largest current account surplus for the second consecutive month in November. The surplus stood at 13.3 billion U.S. dollars. The yen's strength prompted Japanese exporters to shift production abroad. The trade deficit narrowed while its uh, service balance turned surplus due to increased inbound tourism after lifting pandemic controls last year. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. Coming up in sports, China's preparations and hopes for the Asian Cup. Join us for this week's episode of Sideline Story. We take a moment to recognize the amazing career of Franz Beckenbauer, who sadly passed away recently. We also take a look at the Asian Cup with a focus on Team China and the standout players and teams that we think have a chance to win the title this year. Be sure to tune in. 
47 past the hour. Turning to sports now, here is Yang Guang. Thank you, Shane. Top Chinese forward Wu Lei says Team China is prepared for its opening game at Asian Cup against Tajikistan on Saturday. The team's recent friendly losses to Oman and the Hong Kong team have raised concerns about its prospects at the tournament, but Wu insisted that the squad is on the right track. With all the preparations that we have made, including previous matches and training, we are ready to win our first game. I know that the results of the warm-up games do not look good, but we are slowly getting into the rhythm in Doha, and after the physical training, we all feel quite good. Our team is mostly made up of Asian Cup debutants, and we've had some conversations with them to help get their mindset right and turn their pressure into motivation. China will also face Lebanon and host Qatar in the group stage. Team China finished the previous Asian Cup in the quarterfinals. El Clasico will decide the Spanish Super Cup winner for the second straight season. Barcelona defeated Osasuna 2-0 to set up a rematch of last year's final against Real Madrid in Saudi Arabia. Robert Lewandowski and Lamina Yamal scored a goal each for Barca, which won the title last season for its first trophy with coach Xavi Hernandez. But the manager says this time Real will surely make life even harder for them. I think Real Madrid are better now than last year. They played a great game yesterday, as well as Atletico de Madrid. They were both great. But well, we will try to dominate, play our own game on them, play one-on-one. We won't change. We will play with our own personality to win this final. Real reached Sunday's final by defeating rival Atlético Madrid 5-3 in the other semi-final. It won the first Clásico of the season 2-1 in La Liga in October. Jadon Sancho is back at Borussia Dortmund with a six-month loan from Manchester United. Dortmund is set to pay an initial 3.5 million euros for the loan, but the eventual costs depends heavily on bonuses. The deal does not come with an option for Dortmund to buy Sancho, who could play his first game on Saturday against Darmstadt. Uh, it's very good to be back. Um, you know, Dortmund is home to me. Obviously, making my my debut here. Um, in professional football. It's always been a dream for me, so I'm happy to be back. I feel like it was the right decision for me. Sancho joined the United from Dortmund for 85 million euros in 2021, but England uh, forward has not played for United since August after a rift with coach Eric Ten Hag. Tottenham has signed centre-back Radu Dragusin from Italian club Genoa two days after the Spurs added forward Timo Vienna on loan. The 21-year-old Romanian international signed a five-year contract through the 2029-30 season. British media report the transfer fee reached 30 million euros. Bayern Munich had expressed interest in the rising star but instead signed Eric Dyer on a six-month loan. Bayer is joining his old Tottenham teammate Harry Kane in Germany. Tottenham says Bayern has the option to make the move permanent at the end of the season. Six-time NFL champion Bill Belichick has confirmed that he will part ways with the New England Patriots. The decision brought an end to his 24-year tenure as the architect of the most decorated dynasty of the league's Super Bowl era. Seen this many cameras since we signed Tebow. Uh, Robert and I, after a you know series of discussions, have uh, mutually uh, agreed to part ways. For me, this is a day of um, you know gratitude and celebration. So much thanks for the opportunity to to be head coach here for 24 years. 
Uh, it's an amazing opportunity. Um, received tremendous support. Uh, we had a vision of you know building a winner, building a championship football team here, and uh, that's exceeded exceeded my my wildest dreams and expectations. The 71-year-old coach won six Super Bowls with the New England team. It's not immediately clear who the Patriots will bring in to replace the future Hall of Famer. In the NBA, the Phoenix Suns led for most of the game in a 127-109 victory over the LA Lakers. Bradley Beal notched a season-high 37 points as the all-star trail of him, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker combined for 84. Elsewhere, Donovan Mitchell scored a season-high 45 points and the Cleveland Cavaliers beat the Brooklyn Nets 111-102 in the NBA's third regular season game in Paris. Cleveland coach John Blair, Billy Staff, was in full praise of the All-Star God. Uh, you know, Donovan does, uh, did what Donovan does. Um, you know, for a year and a half now that he's been with us, um, in the biggest moments when we've needed him most, he's found opportunities to shine. And, you know, we were struggling to score down the stretch, um, but he took it upon himself and made big ones to help us keep the lead where it was. Kyrie Irving was recorded his season-best scoring performance as well with 44 points and the short-handed Dallas Mavericks held off a late charge to beat the New York Knicks 128-124. Dallas was playing without Luka Doncic and two other starters. The Oklahoma City Thunder rolled past the Portland Trail Blazers 139-77. The 62-point victory matched the fifth-largest route in NBA history. And finally, in snooker, Ronnie O'Sullivan beat Barry Hawkins 6-3 to stay on course for a record-extending eighth Masters title. O'Sullivan rallied from 3-2 down to secure the semi-final spot. The Rocket had hammered Hawkins 10-1 when the pair met in the 2017 Masters final. He has not won the title since then and will meet Sean Murphy next. Murphy progressed after a 6-3 win against Jack Lee Soski. Thank you very much. That was Young Guang with Sports. Coming up in culture and entertainment, a full slate of new movies in Chinese theaters on Lunar New Year's Day. The Beijing Hour. Hello, I'm Peter Dinklage from X-Men Days of Future Past. You are listening to The Beijing Hour. Hi, I'm Kathy Freeman, and you're listening to The Beijing Hour. Hi, everyone. I'm Lang Lang. Welcome to The Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour, your window to China and the world. 53 minutes past the hour. Turning to culture and entertainment, Zhang Yimou's latest comedy, Article 20, is set to hit Chinese cinemas on February 10th, the Chinese New Year's Day. Article 20 tells the story of a prosecutor who's involved in a difficult case where the intentional injury of people is turned into a legitimate defense. It stars Lei Jiayin, Ma Li, and Xiao Liying, among other household name actors. Uh, Zhang's 2023 film, Full River Red, released during the last Chinese New Year holiday, was the highest grossing film in China last year. Earlier, female director Zhao Ling said her comedy drama, YOLO, will also land in theaters on the Lunar New Year. It means uh, six films will be in theaters, new in theaters that day, including Andy Lau's The Movie Emperor and Shen Tong's Pegasus 2. Michael Jackson will be back on the big screen on April 18th of 2025, 
with the movie Michael. The biopic, directed by Antoine Fuqua, will star the late King of Pop's nephew, Jafar Jackson, in his first major role. The film will begin production later this month. Uh, the official synopsis for the film says Michael will bring audiences a riveting and honest portrayal of the brilliant yet complicated man who became the King of Pop. Uh, Jackson died in 2009 at the age of 50. The largest ever primate, once based in southern China, went extinct before humans arrived in the region. Researchers from China, Australia, and the U.S. have uncovered new evidence demonstrating how these very distant human ancestors went extinct. Top academic journal Nature has published the results. Liu Jiaxin spoke to the archaeologists uh, behind the research. The larger the better. That's not usually the case when it comes to living creatures such as three-meter-tall apes weighing in at 250 kilograms. They are Gigantopithecus blackie, the largest ever primate to walk the Earth. For centuries, their cause of extinction has been a mystery, until a group of researchers uncovered it from the caves of southern China's Guangxi Zhuang Autonomous Region, where G. blackie once roamed. Some of the only remaining signs of existence of these giants were showcased at a press briefing in Beijing. Based on the teeth and jaws of the giants that scientists have found, they were far larger than present-day humans. Well, fossil teeth can provide important relics as they provide staggering insights into the aspects of species, such as stress levels, food sources, as well as repeated behaviors. As our teeth grow, they form banding in which trace elements are deposited. If the bandings are clear, it means that the ape's food was sufficient and very diverse at that time, especially the two trace elements, strontium and barium. If the lead bandings are clear, it means that giant apes have adequate water sources and drink regularly. Through dating and tracing techniques, the findings show G. Blackie went extinct between 295,000 and 215,000 years ago. Before this time, the giants flourished in a rich and diverse forest. But when climates changed and the woody vegetation decreased, instead of adapting their size, behavior, and habitat preferences like other agile apes, they relied on a less nutritious backup food source and faced a chronic stress. This inflexibility and specificity, as researchers say, led them to their demise. Whether it's out of worry or based on scientific evidence, the six mass extinctions are looming over us. The ecological crisis faced by primates, including these great apes, has important implications for mankind. The end of G. Blackie's fate once again confirms an irrefutable conclusion of survival of the fittest. Starting from 2015, the study was accomplished by a joint effort of Chinese, Australian, and U.S. researchers. That was Liu Jixin reporting on the research of the extinction of the largest primate on the planet. At 58 past the hour, Beijing down to minus 4 on Friday evening. Saturday is sunny and plus 3. Nanjing's 5 tonight. Tomorrow we'll see a light rainfall with a high of 19. Elsewhere in Asia, Islamabad's 4 this evening, followed by sunshine and 19 degrees. Vientiane's at 21 overnight. Saturday has a light rainfall. The high is 31. Phnom Penh's 23 overnight, followed by overcast conditions and 34 degrees. In Africa, Nairobi will see a light rainfall with a high of 25 on Saturday. Compatible 
20 overnight. Tomorrow, uh, light rain with a high of 25. Juba's at 23 this evening, followed by cloudy skies and 39 degrees Celsius. And that's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news today, Chinese presidents held talks with the visiting Belgian prime minister in Beijing, and China and the U.S. have launched a working group on climate actions. On behalf of the staff, this is Shane Bigham in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together.